Hi, I'm Stacy. I love talking about how to know and live out God's callings in our lives, preferably cozied up with steaming beverages in comfy armchairs. You can head to my website, stacysummero.com for more on discernment. That's S-T-A-C-E-Y-S-U-M-E-R-E-A-U.com. I have a story to share with you. I went to Big Lots for the first time and calling my name on the clearance rack was a unicorn onesie. You know, like baby pajamas that you zip up a one piece outfit and it has a unicorn horn, it has ears, it's light pink and it is so fluffy and soft. Loved it, bought it, it's now part of my wardrobe. And I was wearing it this one day because I wasn't feeling very well. My husband and I were gonna have some couples from our parish over in the evening and I just said, you know what? I just am not really feeling well tonight. So we went ahead and canceled. We're sitting there at seven o'clock and the doorbell rings. And it turns out it's a couple of our friends who I forgot to include on the text chain. And so they come in and they're wearing this just really nice outfits, brought a very spiffy, beautiful bottle of wine. And they walk in and my husband and I are sitting there and our house is a mess because I wasn't feeling well. And I'm sitting there in my unicorn onesie very humbling moment for all people involved so we apologized like 20 times and then they stayed and chatted and even though I wasn't feeling well I just felt so much better by the end of the hour that they were there so if you have friends over and they see your mess and they see you in a unicorn onesie you know that they're true friends so maybe that could be like a like a friendship like a litmus test or something moving forward I don't know but I just thought you would appreciate that so let's get to our episode today. I have a delightful guest, Lindsay Schlegel, and she wrote a book called Don't Forget to Say Thank You, which is a collection of life lessons from her journey as a mother. However, even if you're not a mother or married or anything, you are still going to get find so much in this book that is going to relate to you. I loved it. And we're going to talk about kind of all of those little things that are so hard to uh, keep in our daily life, like self-reflection and spiritual self-education and surrender, faithfulness in small things and obedience and trust in God, all those things that are so important to do good discernment and really help build up your your discernment muscles. I love that analogy because discernment is not a one-time answer about your vocation. It's a muscle and a skill that you use your whole life long. So we're going to get really buff discernment muscles today with Lindsay. You're going to love it. At the end, I'm also going to sing a little Bach Gunod Ave Maria as a bonus, so stick around for that. So first, I want to throw a little recommendation your way. If you're a single young woman ages 18 through 40, or if you know any, I'm asking you to consider joining the Serving the Aged Lovingly Today mission program, which we abbreviate as SALT. It's hosted by the Carmelite Sisters for the Aged and Infirm, and our missionaries spend a week working alongside the sisters, giving their time to the elderly in their nursing homes. And as you may know, I'm the coordinator of SALT, and I've spent the last four years building the program from the ground up. I've seen lives changed and hearts moved, and I really want every available young woman to experience this joy that you get from serving the elderly. www.carmelitesisters.com slash salt dash program. Salt like salt of the earth. Get it? All right. Let's get to our episode with Lindsay Schlegel. Lindsay, it's so great to have you with me here for coffee. Thank you. Thanks for having me. I can't wait to chat. Yeah. So I have to say, um, I've seen your book all over Catholic Instagram. And every time I see it, I get hungry because it's got this cute little cupcake on the front, which looks incredibly delicious. But I was thinking, yeah, did you get, do you get hungry when you look at your book? 
Um, a little bit. It's, you know, we made, we've made cupcakes for a couple of different events and like the, the launch day I made cupcakes at home. I learned how to two-tone icing. Thanks. Yes. Um, super easy. Um, You'll have yeah. to teach me. My, my friend's daughter like thinks it's a cookbook. My oh. niece is it just like serve cupcakes in her play kitchen and won't let my sister-in-law read it. <laughs> um, so I love that That's kids awesome. are reacting to it too. That's awesome. You know, you could do a follow-up cookbook. every situation (laughs) exactly yeah yeah that's so cool um and I have to say because um because I've just seen it floating all over Instagram and it's got this beautiful you know this beautiful cover I did not expect the depth and the insight that I found in the pages so I, I and not to say that it you know that there's a disconnect there but as I was reading it there were so many things that just hit me in the heart. And I was like, Oh my gosh, I've never thought of this before. So I love that you're uncovering new territory with this book. You kind of go through, um, you go through and it says on the back cover here, what if we took the statements we repeat to our children and apply them to ourselves? So I love how you take all those repetitive mom things that we say over and over again, like, do you need help? And wait a minute, say thank you. And you apply them to our relationship with God. It's brilliant. And I feel like I've, I'm like, why has nobody ever done this book before? <laughs> Awesome. Yeah. The Holy Spirit is amazing. The way that it is, he inspired the, the whole thing. Um, and even if you're not a mom, like you were a child at some point and you heard, you know, we've, we've all been on the receiving end of those things. Mm-hmm. And that's so, what I wanted to say too, was that I feel like it applies to everybody, not just moms or dad. Well, it definitely applies to dads too, but it, it applies to anyone who's not even a parent yet. Right. Because I start with the situations that I've had with my kids, but that's kind of the intro to each chapter. And then it, it turns and it's really more about my journey as a woman of faith um, mm-hmm. and my vocation. And I think that that's, I mean, everyone has a vocation, whether or not it's to be married or to be a parent. Um, right. Everyone has a way that God is calling to them. And so the way that God is calling to me is through motherhood and through marriage but it's, that's not a lesser or greater call than the way that God is calling anyone else. The point is that we need to be ready to hear him and how can we, what do we need to get out of the way so that we can hear him and have um, the strength and the courage and be responsive enough to his grace to respond to him. Mm-hmm. Something that I think we don't really think about much. You just made a great point. What do I need to get out of the way in order to hear what he's calling me to? Um, and so, yeah, my first question usually, which you partially answered already, is what calls have you received from God in your life so far? And what do those calls look and feel like? So anything you already, I, we've touched on uh, wife and mother. What other calls have you received from God? Um, a call to be a writer, um, mm. which kind of, I always wanted to, but I mean, I also wanted to be a rock star when I was little and uh, <laughs> pan out, um, which is probably for the best. Um, <laughs> I mean, I can karaoke pretty well, but th- there's Please. a limit. Um, we'll have to go sometime. We're not that far from each other distance wise. Yes. The city's right in the middle. Let's do it. Yes. Um, I think there's a lot of little calls. There's the call to be a writer and the call to be an editor. Um, and different ways I think I've recognized those calls were sometimes through other people. Um, Mm. My senior year of college, I took a creative writing workshop. For as much as I love to write and thought it would be cool to be a writer, I didn't take a creative writing class until second semester senior year Mm. because I didn't think it was like a thing you actually did. I don't know. 
Um, I had an elective, so I thought I'd finally do it. And the professor was a published author herself. And, you know, we had to workshop other people's. It wasn't just writing, it was editing too. And she made a comment at some point that, you know, your edits are really good. You could be an editor. And she connected me with someone in New York that I interviewed with, didn't get that job. But still, she gave me the confidence to think that I could do that. Mm. And I think that... Um, I think that there are people around us and God uses the people and the situations around us um, to help us hear his call sometimes. And it's not, it's not always a sign and it's not every single thing that somebody says to you. I think that's where it goes back to being centered on Christ and being ready and able. And like you're saying, getting that other stuff out of the way so that we can recognize which things are his voice and which things aren't. And um, to be able to respond to those things when they seem really easy. Like when my husband and I got married, um, we were 23. We've been together for five years already. We met in high school. Um, but our friends commented after the wedding mass that our voices didn't waver at all. Like we didn't mm-hmm. cry when we got married. Um, mm-hmm. Which for, he cried at his brother's wedding a few, <laughs> a few years later. I was like, why? why did you not cry at our wedding? Um, <laughs> I just knew. He told me that since we'd had kids, things had been different. And I was like, did you have a hormonal change? Um, (laughs) It was hilarious because he's very even keel. But going back to when we got married, um, we said our vows, very steady voices, very, um, it was just confident. And we, it was so easy to get the words out. And Mm -hmm. I think it just speaks to how certain we were that this was our call. And this is what God wanted for us and what it was, what we wanted and that we were ready for it. We'd mm-hmm. prayed about it. We um, had prayed together. We um, had lived a, a lot of our lives. I mean, for us, it was a, a you know five and a half years before we got married. Um, mm-hmm. And we knew each other well. We knew what we wanted. We knew um, what our lives were centered around. We knew we wanted our family to be centered on God. And we wanted to be hospitable and friendly and welcoming to people. So we had a lot of that. Um, now we've been married almost 10 years and I think we've lived a lot of those things that we wanted to, that we, that we strove for, that we thought we um, were called to. So that was like an easy step to make. Um, and other times some of the things we're called to are big, scary steps and it takes a lot of faith and trust to take those steps. So yeah, I think we also have to not narrow what a call looks like or what it will feel like or what a sign or something um, mm-hmm. will be. Um, because discernment takes a lot of different forms, which sometimes is really frustrating and sometimes is really beautiful. Yes, it is. Yeah, I always say that discernment is much more like a skill or a muscle that you build up than it is a one-time answer or God just like putting a, a call in your life in a way that sounds like a voice in your head. Um, exactly. And it comes sometimes much... Sometimes it is. Like there was a yeah. moment mm-hmm. I remember I did have a voice in my head and I right. was overcame with John and, <laughs> I, and I was 17 and I knew that I was going to marry him. Cool. And when, wow. we, when I were pregnant with our first child, I, I knew it was a boy. Like I was a little nervous because we'd been married, we were ready for it, but still being pregnant the first time is kind of a, a big deal. Mm. Um, and there was a voice in my head that I think was probably the second time that God spoke to me like that saying, it's it's a boy, it's going to be okay. And it's a boy. And we didn't find out until he was born and it was a boy. And I've been wrong with every other child since. (laughs) So that's, that's a little more certain that was God's voice because otherwise I'm wrong about my children. I'm wrong about other people's children. Yeah. 
That's really funny. So, but yeah, I think you touched on something really cool. It does come from God's voice, but other things too, for example, our, um, our knowledge of the world, our knowledge of ourselves and uh, the many different ways that God can speak to us. So as we're trying to learn how to listen to God's voice, I remember in your book, you wrote, um, you wrote this one great phrase uh, that I just, it stuck with me. It was how many times had God asked me to listen to his voice and I chose to direct my attention towards something else instead. We're living in a very distracted age, the digital age, and we're kind of losing our desire, or sorry, our, our, ability and also many times our desire to actually really listen. So what is your what are your tips for becoming a better listener and really hearing God's voice? Uh, first of all, it is putting the phone down, right? And um, mm-hmm. social media has its merits, but it also has its dangers. Uh, we're just coming off of Lent and I gave up social media for Lent, except for mm-hmm. a couple of things I'd committed to already um, and the occasional Sunday check-in. Um, And man, I got out of other people's houses and back into mine a little bit. Um, So there's that for sure. I think what you're saying is right about um, being aware of of who God is. And I think for us as Catholics, that's understanding what the church teaches and reading the Bible. Um, Mm -hmm. We have to know who God is, really who God is, not who the media tells us who God is. God is or what we maybe think or um, sometimes we're right on, but sometimes we kind of get off track or something messes with us. Um, I'm still learning about God all the time, who he is, how he works, um, the connections between the Old Testament and the new different documents from the Vatican, all these things. Mm -hmm. I think we have to stay really close to that. Um, And people outside our faith might think that's, maybe brainwashing is too uh, extreme a term, but I've heard it before. Um, something like, you know, you're, you're letting someone else tell you what to do, mm-hmm. but, but this is an active choice. I trust the traditions of the church. I know there are issues within the church, but I trust the traditions of the church and, um, and scripture and the, the great minds that have um, thought and discerned and prayed over the various aspects of our, our deep and rich and beautiful faith. And I think understanding more of that can keep us centered so that, um, so that we're, we de- I think you're right. So that we desire mm-hmm. to listen to God more is not always about desire, but that helps. <laughs> um, and I think once you kind of fall in love with God, um, you want to, you want to keep falling in love with him. Right. It's, um, yeah. There's that beautiful Pedro, Pedro Rupe quote, or attributed mm-hmm. to him, that um, fall in love, stay in love, and it will decide everything. Mm-hmm. And love is not just a feeling, it's about the knowledge of the other, too. Um, you find something that's attractive about the other, and you want more of that. You want to be involved in it. You want to learn more about it. And Definitely. I think when we find that in God, um, and it's going to be a little different for each one of us, but when we it goes back to our calling, right? Like how is God calling to us? And can we recognize that and embrace it? Because then that's, that's where we'll want to be. I think when we're mm-hmm. looking for things elsewhere in the world, it's because we're trying to fill something in. We're lonely or tired or bored or frustrated or angry or sad or whatever else and hungry, mm-hmm. <laughs> something. But we're trying to fill something in. And like St. Augustine says, our hearts are restless until they rest in God. We're not, we're not going to find it. Um, there's also a beautiful quote from St. Uh, not St. From C.S. Lewis in Mere Christianity. 
I'm not sure I'm going to get it totally right, but he says um, something like the terrible, the almost impossible thing is giving ourselves totally everything to Christ, mm-hmm. but it's far easier than what we're all trying to do instead. Wow. That's awesome. That's, I need, a, I need that on a poster. I will, I will send it to you later. <laughs> Brilliant. I love it's it. So right? Much. She's totally right that we're trying mm-hmm. and trying and we think that all the other stuff is easier, but ultimately it's not. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I love what you said about, about educating yourself in the faith and just, just like pursuing knowledge really. And it's not brainwashing. It's, it's trying to get a fuller picture of who God is and, and reading his scriptures. I heard Matthew Kelly say in a talk a couple of years ago that I don't remember exactly the statistic, but it was something like Catholics on average read one third of a spiritual book every year or something like that compared to Protestants who read like five spiritual books a year on average. And I got to say one amazing thing about being a podcaster that I did not expect is that people send me their books and I interview authors and I love it so much because I feel like I have this influx of just yeah. new life into my faith. And it's given me not only just like confidence in my journey as a mother that, you know, other people are struggling and, and how do we all struggle well, kind of like your book was so reassuring right. and so good for that. And so many other aspects too. Um, uh, you know, you can listen to every other episode of Called and Caffeinated. They're almost all authors up to this point. Mm-hmm. And, and I can't tell you the amount that I've learned and the, the life that it's given me, as well as I've been reading the Bible this year. And that is just life-changing. And I really hear God speak to me so clearly. You know, you just hear, you read a verse and it hits you in the heart. And so it's, it's almost like by educating yourself, you're just putting yourself in the right place at the right time for God to yeah. speak to you in whatever way he wants to. And you're just letting your mind kind of be steeped in loving him and pursuing him rather than like you're saying all these states of mind of bored, hungry, tired. And how does God even, how does God even get in there? If you, you know, if you're blocking him by, by allowing yourself to stay in those states, he can't really speak as well anywhere near as well as if you're really pursuing education and knowledge in his church. I yeah, and you know, I also, I write about books a lot for CatholicMom.com, um, and I'm writing a couple uh, currently in the next few months for uh, the Blessed Is She blog. Um, cool. And agreed, like I, once you, there are amazing books being published right now. And I think on the one hand, the spiritual classics and the stories of the saints are beautiful and we need them. And we need to understand that, um, that this isn't just right now. Mm-hmm. That it's been going on for a long time and a really long time. And people in the 6th century and the 13th century struggled with the same things. Like, we're not reinventing mm-hmm. the wheel here with sin and whatnot. Um, but also to see how contemporary people are embracing their faith and digging into it. Um, yes. So I get the same thing. I get books. I got a book in the mail yesterday and I was super pumped about it. Oh my gosh. I just got my first book in the mail. It hasn't been published yet. And I'm so excited. I don't want to say it just because I don't know exactly when I'm going to get to you know interview her or whatever, but I, I received it and I was like, oh my gosh, they sent me a book in advance of publication for me to read. And I was like, this is so cool. It's, it's so, so cool. I love and it so much. Into it and you see where the new... Um, what different publishers are producing and you, I mean, mm-hmm. start following some of the publishers on Instagram and mm-hmm. seeing what, and also they post their sales. Um, so mm-hmm. there's so much great, rich literature that's happening right now. Um, yes. And it's really encouraging. Like you turn on the TV and you see, oh, this is, you know, what are you going to watch? Or you, you flip through Netflix, Netflix, and there's some stuff there, but it's not all great. And if we're looking yeah. for something that's really going to feed us, it's out there. We just have to know where yeah. to look for 
Exactly. And and I also feel like just in my own personal journey, as I'm reading all these books, I, I am feeling a call to write a book myself. I've already started. And it's just like the inspiration is just flowing. And it's coming from this place of like, uh, abundance with like loving all of these other books that I'm reading. And I'm like, and I have my ideas about what I'm supposed to say here and what God wants me to say. So you'll even get calls that you never expected. Because I was that kid who like, like was trying so hard to fill the content of the five page paper. Did not like editing, hated writing. I was, I mean, I didn't totally hate it, but it was like, so papers were painful for me in high school. I, when I graduated from college, I was like, I just never want to write another paper again. And that's fine. Uh-huh. But now I'm like, oh my gosh, I can't wait to write this book. So it, it is amazing. Right. Um, yeah. And then so, it's also a great way to talk to people and to, to evangelize in certain ways. Yeah. Mm-hmm. To say, oh, I just read this book and it was about yeah. this. And, and then sharing books and things like that and finding, you know, the other people who are reading or who want to be reading more or something. It's, I think that's a really great way to build community too. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. So uh, I want to go into something that you touched on already um, because you are a working mother and you're also um, a mom. I want to, I want to get into this idea of having it all. Okay. So, so we've got kind of this interesting dichotomy going on in our world where we've got the world telling us to sort of put our, our careers above having children. And we actually are seeing evidence that the birth rate is plummeting in the United States and fewer and fewer people are getting married. Um, And so it's clearly having an effect, but then we've also kind of got the Catholic bubble where you've got, um, you know, kind of this, well, I, I have not had much pressure put on me from people before, but I have heard of plenty of instances of lots of judginess in the Catholic church where it's like, you should put everything aside and homeschool your children, um, and have 12 children, you know, and those are kind of extreme examples of, of people just like judging your life who have no idea what your life is actually like. But I think one thing that I do, and I think a lot of women do is we sort of take these views and we sort of take them very personally. And so we can end up feeling like we're never doing the right thing. <laughs> we're never doing enough in either direction. So what's your input on having it all and having time to have it all and, and, you know, uh, prioritizing the right thing. So, and, and what should our, what should our Catholic viewpoint be? First, you have to figure out what the, all that God wants mm-hmm. for us is that syntax was messed up. <laughs> um, I gotcha. I gotcha. <laughs> great, great. So I think, a lot of us were maybe asked growing up, what do you want to be when you grow up? Or you can do anything. Mm-hmm. Um, and that is true in a lot of ways. Not That's another, that's another podcast. Um, but I think yeah. the more important question is, what are you called to be? What did God create you to be? Um, um, and so those are things when we ask our kids, um, our kids are eight, six, four, and one. Mm-hmm. Um, and one upstairs, our little Ethan, uh, we never got to meet. So he's um, waiting for us, praying for us. Um, but we asked them, what do you think God is calling you to be? Um, instead of what do you want to be? Um, I love it. And I think for us, um, those, uh, I think because my husband and I were married young, um, we got engaged senior year of college and got married about uh, 18 months later and then had our son just shy of our first anniversary. Mm -hmm. So we just went right into the family thing. We felt like we were ready for it. Um, We had a plan for um, what work was going to look like and praise God, it has worked out the way we um, anticipated it um, with surprises along the way. Um, 
But I think we have found that having a family has not held us back in our careers at all. In fact, I did not start writing seriously until I had a child. Um, And I'd always wanted to do it. And um, I didn't really think I would. I didn't know how I would. Um, And I think in order for us to be taking care of ourselves too, another thing that we um, have done together is run a couple of races. Um, My husband really runs twice as fast as I do. Uh, Last October, he came in second in his age group in a half marathon to a man wearing a full gorilla costume. Oh my gosh. Like 623 miles. And this man was fully decked out in a gorilla costume. For 13 God bless. Um, God bless. But there are these things that we realize we have to keep taking care of ourselves and we have to model that to our kids. And in order to sustain um, family life and our mental well-being, we need to do things like pray and exercise and eat well. Um, and we encourage each other in those things. Like we make time for the other to have quiet prayer time and we make time, excuse me, to go for a run. Or when our kids were little, we would run together, which was a run for me and a jog for him. But, um, (laughs) but I think not, we, we found that we didn't have to really put one thing on hold to have the other. Um, and I think especially as a mom now, so my oldest child's eight and a half. So, um, including pregnancy, right? I'm like nine years into this mom thing and I don't have it all figured out, but I have figured out that everything is a phase and a stage. Um, and those cha- changes, those phases change depending on how many kids we have, how old they are, who's sleeping, who's teething, who's in school. Um, we've moved a couple of times. So do we live in the city? Do we live in the suburbs? So even the ways that we've tried to do all these things we don't do them all at once like I don't read and 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 write and run and do Pilates and like shower all in the same day right? like, those things don't happen all at once but over the course of a month or a year um we're like digging into the things that interest us and that encourage us and inspire us and yeah. and enrich our lives um and sometimes just keep us you know surviving So listening to that, figuring out what it is, I think working together on that for us, for, for, for my husband and me, we're a, we're a package deal. We're a team. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and so we work together on who needs what, when, and when someone needs to make a sacrifice and while we're not keeping score, um, we are looking to sacrifice for the other when we can and not doing it, um, begrudgingly, but doing it with joy because we see the good that it does in the other person. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, I love all of that. And I think it's it's neat to interview Catholic moms and just hear the fullness of life that is possible, you know, instead of taking this extreme view of like, my life is over once I have a child and now I'm just a mom, you know, which I know it sounds like a terrible thing. Like there's so many people out there who would love to be mothers or love to be stay-at-home mothers. But they have to be working mothers or, you know, that everyone wants different things. But I know just from my own story, I always like generalize and I'm like, no, actually that's just me. This is my story. <laughs> In my own life, once I got pregnant, and I was so I was just so worried that I would never be able to pursue my dreams again, and it's not true. In fact, Kate Wicker wrote a book called Getting Past Perfect, and I remember she said in that book that there was such a great moment where she realized um, that her daughter was so proud of her for being a, an author, and she had been so felt so guilty about being an author, but then her her daughter was like just so proud that her mother is the author, you know, and and so wow. she's actually giving life to her children through her own her own passions as well. Right. And if we show our children 
what that adulthood looks like, you totally serve the child and that's it. Then it, I don't think it does good things for them. No. Um, you or know, you. I think they need to see, they need to learn how to work together in a community. Um, and the community is your family, whether you have one kid or 10 or anywhere in between. Um, Jennifer Fulweiler's book, One Beautiful Dream, also speaks really well to that. She oh, I love that book. Oh my gosh. The yeah. burn chicken book. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I know, right? Like hers is for dinner and mine's for dessert. Yeah. Um, but like you, like, we also have this, I'm all about the quotes. Can you tell that words of affirmation might be my love language? Um, we have a quote in our house too from John Paul II that says something like, um, in order for a family to stay joyful, everyone, the parents and the, and the children must be the servant of the other. So mm-hmm. everyone has to work together. And, and I, think, I think as parents, um, maybe as moms in particular, and to generalize, we can burn out when we try to take it all on or we think it all has to be all about us. Um, but that, that's not, we burn out, right? Like we lose it because we can't do it all. We're not called to do it all by ourselves. We're given the sacraments. We're given the graces through them. God never expected or wanted us to try to take it all on and do it all on our own. That was not his plan. That's our plan because we think, I don't know, we think a lot of different things. Um, <laughs> <laughs> not all of them are quite on, but, but we should be working together and asking for help when we need it and letting our kids participate um, yeah. because that's the example they need to see to go be good servants of God themselves. Mm-hmm. So really, if we want to serve our children, we can't do everything for them. Mm-hmm. And, we can, and we can't put our lives on the back burner. We can't stop exercising or not pursue that art that we like to do or whatever it is. Like we can't let them see that this is what adulthood looks like because then who would want to grow up? Right. This should be like the most exciting time in our lives because we've built up to something and we've cultivated interests and skills and all sorts of things. Um, And we've listened to God hopefully, and we're trying to bring things to fruition and, create things and build things and help manage and help people like that should be the beautiful thing that they're looking forward to Mm -hmm. that they're excited to figure out what God is asking of them not trying to be us or not trying to do something totally radically different like mom and dad don't seem happy I don't want to be like them like I hope not Mm -hmm. I hope my kids see how much John and I are enjoying our lives and it's hard but hard doesn't mean you're not happy. Right. Preach. I love it. Everything you said. Um, so you were saying, you just said it's hard and it is. Um, let's talk about something that nobody really probably enjoys that much, which is obedience. <laughs> obedience to God's will in the small moments. And obviously as mothers, we know this like so well. And, and I feel like before I became a mother, I just dodged this, this thing about obedience in the small moments because I was able to, I could kind of, I had so much more autonomy to choose what I was going to do in every moment. But before you start living your vocation, I think it's really key to, to learn obedience to God's will in the small moments. And then when you enter your vocation, whatever that is, it's super important to really uh, you, you have to face it. You know, you have to really um, let those small struggles be your sanctification. So how, how does obedience in those really small moments kind of, how is that hugely significant in our salvation? 
I think like you were saying before about how discernment is more like a muscle, like you have to tone it, right? Um, you have to, or else it gets uh, slack or weak and you, and you mm-hmm. can't use it. So um, I think we, we look at Mary, right? And though she was out without sin. So obviously we have some differences. Um, <laughs> but we, we talk about her fiat, her yes, to, um, to being Jesus's mother, to being the mother of God. Yeah. We don't see all the other little yeses that led to that point and made her able to give that response. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know where I heard this. This was not my idea. <laughs> I, I learned it somewhere else. Um, Maybe a book, but you know what? You're pursuing education. <laughs> right? There you go. So I'm going to take some more notes into more index cards. Um, so she was pursuing all these little things in order to be able to do that. So I think when these little things are hard, when, um, oh my gosh, you're cleaning up something again that you just said, please don't move your arm like that because it will fall over. And then it did. Yeah. When you take mm-hmm. a deep breath, that's not really a loud breath. Because <laughs> 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 they learn from the loud breaths turn out and, and they mimic that. So you got to watch out for that. Um, yeah. Oh. This is not just about this moment. This is my training mm. to be able to do the thing later. So if say, I think any way that you've learned perseverance in your life, you can apply this. Um, if you learned to play the piano and it got to a point where it was hard and you didn't want to practice, but you did anyway. And then, um, and then your recital went better than it would have if you hadn't. Or uh, are my kids do karate? So sometimes they don't want to go to practice. Um, one in particular is not super keen on it sometimes. Um, but, then, but then he goes and he can pass his test and he can mm-hmm. get the next belt color. He can get a stripe on his belt. Mm-hmm. Um, or the training runs that I don't want to do because it's rainy and I'm cold or something. Yeah. But then I, but then I, maybe I make the time I wanted to when I ran, win the big race, when I run the, not win, my gosh, not win. <laughs> I was like, wow, it's so cool. No, 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 no. There would have to be a lot of other circumstances. There would have to be no one else running basically. Um, <laughs> or me running with you. <laughs> maybe. maybe. LA is my thing, running nuts. <laughs> <laughs> my best 5k time was the one that ended in chocolate. Let's put it that way. Um, but it's, I think if you can think about it, and it's not easy to do, that, that, that mindset is training too. But not, thinking not just about I'm doing this in this moment, but I'm doing this in order to prepare for whatever else God is going to put in my way. Yeah. Or even just to, to offer it up as God, this little thing. I don't want to do this. I think we can look at St. Therese. Um, of Lazoo and see that that it's these little things I don't want to do this thing I'm going to do it anyway I'm going to try to do it with a smile um and that is going to strengthen me in a way that I don't even know mm-hmm. but then when the big thing comes I'm going to be able to handle it in a better way than I would have if I hadn't done that so that perspective I think can make obedience easier to take Hi there. I hope you're enjoying my chat with Lindsay. If you are a young woman ages 18 through 40 and you are seeking to possibly discern religious life, or if you just want to know more about God's plan for you, whatever that is, I recommend checking out Serving the Aged Lovingly Today mission program, which we abbreviate as SALT. It's sponsored by the Carmelite Sisters for the Aged and Infirm, who I was very pleased to meet as part of my television show, The Sisterhood Becoming Nuns, and I've been working for them since 2015, building up this mission program from the ground up. 
So we have a wonderful time at SALT every summer, and we actually have a couple spots left in our Chicago program, which is happening in July. So if you are considering this, I really encourage you to apply now at www.carmelitesisters.com slash SALT dash program. So SALT is a week spent with the elderly, giving your time and your talent. And we design activities like giving manicures or having a happy hour that are just fun and meaningful for the people who are so often forgotten in our society. It's really another way to be pro-life by serving at SALT. Our missionaries report, though, that often their favorite thing is just spending one-on-one -on -one time with the residents and hearing their incredible stories and uh, hearing all about their lives and bonding with them. And I guarantee you will not come to SALT and leave with your life the same. Your life will be changed. So I firmly believe in this program. I highly recommend coming this summer. So go ahead and hop over to the website and check it out. Now back to my chat with Lindsay. Just being obedient to God's call to be with to be with a certain person in a moment, you know, not just on a coffee date or anything, but like what people that you have deep relationships with working through things with them instead of distancing yourself and taking advantage of all the ways that we can distance ourselves behind screens, but instead like working through those tough moments with them and still loving them in the moments when they're not pleasing you or like really giving at a time when you don't really feel like it, like your sister needs a favor and you just, you have other plans, but you know, she really needs your help with something. And so you drop what you, the plans that you think would be fun and go and help her when it's optional. And I think God's really pleased with those, those sort of those times that we can embrace the obedience of, of being self gift to others over our own pleasure. If that makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. And I think if in the times when I have taken on a, like an examination of conscience at the end of the day, um, then those are the kinds of things that you think about at the end of the day. Oh, I, you know, I did that and I feel better for it. And you have mm -hmm. that moment of being aware. And I think without that reflection, um, maybe, you, you know, in that situation, say your sister needs something and you say, I'm just too busy and I can't. At the end of the day, are you going to think about that and kind of second guess yourself? Mm -hmm. um, if you don't take that moment of reflection, you may just move on to the next day and not think about it. It may not dig in deeply enough that, um, that you do second guess it. Yeah. But if you have that moment to reflect, you may find some things or some patterns um, that you wouldn't have otherwise. And I think that mm -hmm. self-reflection is also a really important part of discernment. Um, yeah. Yeah. As is, as is talking about or something mm -hmm. to help you see those patterns can be really helpful yes. in preparing yourself for whatever comes next. Yeah. Because ultimately we're all called to give ourselves away. We're all called to be mm -hmm. a gift and that looks different for all of us, but obedience to that in whatever form it's taking in your life right now is really God putting a call in your life to be, um, to be gift. And so responding to that over your own enjoyment or your own desire to, you know, just kick back and relax. And everyone of course needs rest and relaxation. So that's not, I mean, you know, Jesus went away and took some time from, you know, everyone needs downtime. Oh, yeah. But what you're saying is true. There's a difference between taking that downtime at the appropriate time and in the appropriate circumstances mm -hmm. and just, flaking on someone there's a difference right definitely and and I think that we have so many options available to us now to be to get comfortable and to curate and personalize our lives that sometimes it can be really difficult to make the leap and get in the car and go help that person yeah yeah and and we need each other in a we need each other less in our society than we used to you know back in the day it's like okay if we're not harvesting these crops they're gonna go bad like get the whole town out here if that's what it takes you know so we right. don't and now we have crime so like <laughs> right <laughs> not much of a problem 
<laughs> exactly. Now we just go to the grocery store and just pick things off the shelves. Yeah. So, okay, cool. Um, let's talk about surrender. This is one of my favorite things to talk about with regard to discernment, Lindsay. And I was so happy that you had it in your book because this is something that I don't know how this escaped me, but in all my years as a, a cradle Catholic growing up, nobody ever told me to surrender completely to God. Maybe they told me in different ways, but I just don't mm -hmm. remember. But it's key to discerning anything because it puts God first. Whereas we like to have, well, I Again, this is my life. I'm very type A. I like to have things in my control. So you there's can, a, you can say we and have me included in that if you want. I okay, think you're, fair enough. Yeah. <laughs> I think even the if you of us at least. Yeah, the, the yeah the us of, of the two of us. Um, and I think most people probably would agree. Even if you are type B or whatever, you probably still like to have your life, like the big things in life, in your control. And you said this really profound statement. You said in your book, when things aren't up to me, I see more clearly how everything is a gift. So how does that, can you just flesh that out in light of discernment and surrendering to God? Sure. So sometimes in things that have not been up to me, um, I think if it's okay, I will talk about my children because mm -hmm. um, that is a large part of my vocation and of course. Uh, having them, they're on spring break this week. So they're home all week too. So they're very oh. present. Um, in a good way. <laughs> um, but you know, I mean, as... <laughs> it has been very easy for us to have children and that is not the case with everyone. Um, right. So in the times that we have been ready for kids like this, it wasn't our choice. It was, and I see, I see, you know, some, someone very, very, like a, a very, very close friend. This is not a possibility for her. Um, mm. And, and so I see that this is, this is not my, I mean, it was our choice to, be ready to to be open to children but it was not our choice that we did conceive and that yeah. four out of our five children were born healthy and alive um and on the other hand it wasn't our choice that we didn't meet our second child um mm -hmm. we wouldn't have chosen that obviously um it's seven years later and we still miss him um mm -hmm. so these that the the both sides of that when things have been given so abundantly and also when something has been taken away and um we never quite knew why i think i know i think now i know there was a hormonal imbalance but um mm. but i can't go back to back in time and prove that either um so i'm more aware of of how little i am in control and when um i see the amazing things that my kids can do or i see my kids get in trouble or something these things are not me either um you know my mom is my mom has told me don't take credit for the bad don't take credit for the good um because your kid is is his or her own person too and your spouse yeah. is his or her own person and you're not in control of any of those other things which sometimes is really frustrating and sometimes it is so amazing and beautiful because you couldn't have even imagined how awesome mm -hmm. things could be. Um, mm -hmm. And when you take that step away, it, I, man, I want to be in control of a lot of things. Um, and I try to be, and sometimes even when I'm trying not to be, it's really frustrating because I think that's another thing that our culture tells us, um, especially with how, you know, how prevalent uh, assisted reproduction has been, mm -hmm. that we can have things on our own terms. Um, yeah. And even then we can't, um, my kids and I were reading the other day about, um, we're doing a, a Marian consecration for 
Kids by Carrie Gress, which is fabulous. Mm. And the first couple of days are about the Chronicles of Narnia. And in The Magician's Nephew, um, the, the, the boy Diggory's mom is really sick. And um, he goes into Narnia. Uh, is it Narnia yet? Yeah, I guess he goes into Narnia. And um, there's this apple that could heal his mom. And he considers stealing it. Spoiler alert, he doesn't. Um, <laughs> and he talks to Aslan and Aslan tells him, you know, if you'd taken that, it would have healed her. It would have worked, um, but but years from now, you both would have looked back and said, we didn't do that the right way. Um, and I don't mean to get judgy about assisted reproduction. I think this goes a lot farther than that. But, um, mm-hmm. but when, we, when we try to take things out of their context or we try to orchestrate things too much to the ways that we think they should be, there's just so much that we don't know And so we can't see how things are really going to play out. We have a lot of ideas about how things should be, but we just don't know enough to really make that call. And that's why we have to leave it up to God because he knows more. He loves us so deeply. Mm -hmm. um, And he really does have our best interest in mind. Yeah, totally. I can't tell you the number of situations in which I have done my best and I'm not perfect at it. Um, and it sometimes takes me way too long to surrender when I should have done it like months ago, but I can't tell you the number of times when I do surrender something to God, the, usually the stress and anxiety is immediately gone and then things work out in a way that I never could have orchestrated and they work out so much better than I could have planned. And sometimes they don't work out the way I want, but often it's, it's, two years later, I'll look back and say, okay, that was better for me. That really was better for me than, than I, um, than I could have planned. And so over time, and I, you know, as a young person, like this podcast is, um, I, I designed it with millennials in mind because we're all seeking answers to like, what do I do with my life? And none of us are really equipped to make these decisions. So as a teenager, I think I didn't have that. Even as a young adult, I did not have that. I'm still a young adult, but you know, I didn't have that, that life perspective to be able to look back and be like, Oh, this really did like God really was working here. But you know, if you've doubted it, it, you will look back in five years and say, Oh man, he was really taking care of me the whole time. Right. And some of these things we may not see until we're on the other side, you know, some of these things you can see, right. Maybe you can see right away. Oh yes, this was better. God's plan was better, but you're right. Some of it's going to take years. Yeah. And some of it we may never see, but can we trust God enough? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Exactly. To that happen and to make that surrender, it goes a lot. It goes back to trusting God. I think a lot of it comes back to, yes, do you trust, trust me or not? Mm-hmm. Um, in certain ways, the entire Bible goes back to, do you trust me or not? Mm, that's profound. True. Yeah. Also not mine. <laughs> um, <laughs> I love it. I did a, a, Bi- a Jeff Cavins Bible study um, a few years ago and he, um, the Great Adventure uh, Bible study. And it's fabulous. And he goes through the whole, everything is going back to, I mean, right down to Adam and Eve with the apple. Do you trust me mm-hmm. or not? Every, all along the way, do you trust me or not? Mm-hmm. And I think again. if we ask ourselves that question, then if the answer is yes, then we can surrender. And if it's no, then we can't. Yep. That's discernment in a nutshell right there. Right. That is my story. Uh, <laughs> you just said it in like one second. Done. Yep. And I I know other people are going to resonate with that too. Um, And again, that goes back to pursuing your faith and educating yourself, pursuing, you know, um, going to daily mass, going to uh, doing 
examination of conscience at, at the end of the day and having a confessor and all of those things, it all plays into that picture, um, that bigger picture of your relationship with God and your trust with him. Sure. Yeah. Let's talk about, let's talk about the communion of saints. Cause I love in each chapter in your book, how you have a little saint recommendation at the end. Um, and you were telling me about a super interesting saint for coffee. So tell me more about him. St. Drogo, D-R-O-G-O, is the patron saint of coffee. I learned this a few years ago when a friend, on the first day of school, a friend, uh, a fellow mom sent around a link. I forget what website it was to, but it was a list of um, like saints that moms might need as as school got back into gear. Um, So I think Benedict was on there for kids. Um, But St. Drogo is definitely on there for the moms. Um, and as I recall, he had the ability to bilocate, which we were saying before is like, that's why the moms drink the coffee. That's it's the because best. we have to be in so many places at once. Yep. That, yep. that would be helpful. And we don't have that gift that St. Drogo <laughs> did, but we aspire to it. Um, <laughs> so, so yeah, learn more about him. I'm just like waiting for a friend to name a kid after him. Drogo. Yes. Yes. It's, uh, you know what though? I bet it's not going to happen because Draco Malfoy. I know, but it would be a good middle. Yeah. Yeah. We were, wait, wow. Shoot. What was the name? Was it, uh, darn it. Now it's not, oh shoot. This is, it's go, it's escaping me. Our, one of our priest friends was trying to, to pressure us into naming our kid. Um, what was it? Urban. When we were pregnant with our son, I was like, that's edgy. Yeah, that is edgy. <laughs> Going right back to the ancient popes there. Right. And yeah. then someone who doesn't understand is going to be like, are you going to name the next one rural? Like, what are you doing? <laughs> Twins. <laughs> Twins. Urban and rural. Hilarious. And then you could dress them up. Oh, like, yeah. Missed opportunity. Dang it. We have Irish twins. We could have done, our son could have been urban. Our daughter could have been rural. Well, we named her Azalee, which is, that's pretty edgy too. And it is a yeah. saint name. But I always, yeah, I was, I was like, okay, I'm going to spend the rest of my life explaining to her, to people where her name comes from. But you know, what's really cool is it's kind of like a, a little way of evangelizing. Evangelize. Yeah. 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 Our kids all have very traditional names and almost all of them are five letters, which was by accident. Oh, that's so cool. I love it. That's awesome. And so you probably get a lot of people being like lots of small kids, uh, spaced pretty close together. Catholic names, you must be Catholic. Do you get well, well, the first ones, I joke, the, Jacob, my first one's Jacob. So he's, he's our little Jewish man. And then Henry, <laughs> so he's not a Protestant. Mm. And then Sarah, we went back to the Old Testament. And finally, we have Thomas Augustine, who's pretty solidly Catholic. Nice, so yeah. priest just calls him Aquinas. Like, he doesn't like that his middle name is Augustine. What? <laughs> so he just, he was like, I will baptize him Thomas Augustine, but then I'm never doing it again. He doesn't call him Thomas anymore. He just calls him Aquinas. How's Aquinas okay. today? <laughs> okay. That's really funny. That's such yeah. a Catholic nerd thing. <laughs> Taking no, sign is better. Yeah. Augustine is the middle name of our, of our son as well. Awesome. Yeah. People, it has this effect on people. People like sit up straight when I say Raphael Augustine. They're like, whoa. Oh, dang. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Serious. Yeah. And some other, um, just, okay. So we've got St. Drogo, patron saint of coffee. Um, right. St. Joseph we, uh, is another good one for discernment. And you and I were chatting a little bit before we started recording and we agreed that, or you said, actually, it's your idea. I shouldn't take credit. 
St. Joseph following the call of the angel to protect Mary and to, to marry her and to lead her into Egypt. And so he's, you know, he's really good for, um, to pray to for discernment. And then obviously St. Ignatius of Loyola, who admittedly, I have not invested enough time yet in learning about St. Ignatius, but you said you took a whole class on him, right? I did. It. At Boston mm-hmm. College, I took a class called Ignatian Spirituality, which my friend and I called Iggy Spirit. <laughs> Spirit, Tuesdays at 10 o'clock. Um, so we learned about um, how he was a soldier and he was all about the, the prestige and, um, you know, winning over the ladies, being a knight, being, um, being powerful in that kind of way. Um, and he, hurt, he was hurt in battle. So his leg, um, his leg didn't heal properly and he was going to have a limp and he couldn't, like, he was too vain. He didn't want that. So he had them break his leg again. Um, oh. And this is, I don't know, at the 1200s-ish. I might be oh. getting that. Um, so it's not like he was in a hospital room with anesthesia and, like, PT afterward, right? Like, right. he had to break his leg again. And as he was ac- um, convalescing, there wasn't much to read and he liked reading romances and things like that, which is not what we think of today, <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. but it was, it was like the, the stories of honor and, and, and that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. That's what he wanted for himself. Right. Excuse me. And, um, all that there was to read was the Bible and stories about the saints. And he felt called to those. And actually when he first felt called to them, he still had the pride that he wanted to be like the best saint. He wanted to be a saint better than all the other saints, which is not really how being a saint works. Um, <laughs> right. Um, so he, um, you know, he, he established a judgment. He, he obviously uh, changed his tune over time um, and um, started a group that became known as the Society of Jesus. And now we know as the Jesuits. The Jesuits, um, right. And he had this... Um, Typically, I think it's 31 days, the spiritual exercises, but it can also be condensed um, even down to like a four day retreat where you go. There's a certain um, process of moving through looking at Christ's life. Um, A lot of Ignatian prayer looks at um, having you imagine yourself in a situation um, and responding to your feelings, which sounds like, okay, but that's not what we do, right? Because love is an action, not a feeling. Um, Our intellect will are significant all of this is true um but he would have you respond to where your consolations were he called them i think consolations and desolations and the desolations do not come from god um but the consolations do and he would have you be very aware of when and in what circumstances you're experiencing those things and how that can help guide you to what god is trying to tell you Um, so i think for discernment it, he's he's super important he has um methods in place and um and and like a strategy i guess maybe i would say yeah that i think is really useful um there's lots of great books about it actually the the professor who taught my class is tim muldoon and he wrote a book called the ignatian workout which is as oh. i'm pretty sure spiritual exercises for young adults um oh. Must get. Yeah. want to put that one on your list. <laughs> yeah. Uh, we did have an episode with Paul Krenzlock and I'll put that in the show notes as well. And cool. he went into the consolation and desolation and okay. told a little bit about St. Ignatius, which was all such good, awesome stuff. I'm like, what else is there besides consolation and desolation? So now I got to get my hands on that 30 day yeah. retreat. So uh, last question I got for you is, 
you had some cool opportunities to study in uh, Berlin. And then also you served in Belize on a mission trip. And you kind of, you wrote about how you expected it to awaken this wanderlust. Because a lot of us, you know, we want to travel and see the world. And we see other people doing really cool things and taking really cool trips. And we're like, I want that. And you said that kind of doing those things kind of had the opposite effect on you. So I love that, that like ex this exploratory experience actually helped you find your vocation. So what, how did that yeah. go for you? So uh, my junior year of college, I went on a mission trip to Belize uh, for two, an immersion trip. Um, um, so I was home for a little while in New Jersey, and then I spent a semester in Berlin and traveled a little bit there, Ireland, Paris, England to visit a friend um, around Germany a little bit. And I expected through those two experiences that, um, like a lot of the people I saw around me, um, I would be called to go volunteer, say, in like the Jesuit Volunteer Corps, which is domestic, or um, the international version, um, which we actually visited some of those people while we were in Belize. We had mm. some the alum who were serving in Belize. So we saw their house. And there's a lot of, there was a lot of talk about service work and mission work and doing something for a year or two after graduation um, at BC, which was really cool because people were um, interested in service and ready for service and wanted to go out and, and be with people and, and give some of their lives to someone else. So that spirit was really beautiful. Mm -hmm. And I, I mean, John and I, as I said before, had been dating for years. We knew we wanted to be married and I thought, man, I'm going to come home from this and feel called to this. Like, I'm sure, how could I go on this kind of experience and not feel like I need to go to more of this? You know, one of these things somehow be somewhere else. Um, and I got home and even while I was away, I remember writing to John while I was in Belize, like writing letters to him. And I knew where I needed to be. Like as much as I'm so grateful for these experiences, I wouldn't have changed them for anything. But that is not where I was called to be. And I knew that I wanted to be home. I wanted, and not because I was trying to run from something or because I was trying to be somewhere that was safe. I knew that, you know, it could have been, it wasn't because I was lonely or, or sad or, um, or felt overwhelmed. It was because I, f I knew where I fit. I knew where I was yeah. supposed to be. And that was with John. And it was, in New Jersey. <laughs> um, we lived in Manhattan and Brooklyn for a little while, but mm. basically the tri-state area um, where the bagels are good. Um, yeah, and the pizza. And, and seeing those other things, it just, it drew me, it drew me close to God and it helped me to see where he needed me to be after that. And I think that's also why getting engaged and being married shortly after college was not a big deal for us. Like all our friends at our wedding were like, this is not right for us, but we totally see how it's right for you. Like, mm -hmm. This makes absolute sense. We're all like, everybody is all for this. Um, and I think, I think that's interesting. It was it's totally not what I expected. I thought I was going to come home and have to explain to my family. It's just one year. It's just two years. I'll be fine. Something I was kind of like ready right. to do all those things. And I came home and nope, <laughs> I was ready to put yeah. a ring on and, and see what else happened with this this guy who was um still my favorite person on the planet mm. um, and the person that I want to be with and I want and we were we knew we wanted a family we were hopeful we could have one and we were ready to start doing that 
because yeah. we were confident that it's what God was calling us to do. Yeah, that's so cool. I love it. I mean, we were so yeah. blessed. And I think the fact that we have always, from the beginning of our, our relationship, prayer and and we've always been able to talk about our faith together. Um, we live it in different ways, but it's always been at the center of who we are. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think we were well prepared for everything that we weren't prepared for. That's awesome. Yeah. And it's so cool that you were able to come to this place of peace with something that is very, um, it's a very normal choice. And I always thought, no, this is me. This is just totally my pride. But I always thought that marriage was sort of like not as exciting as all the cool things that I could be doing on my own Mm -hmm. and almost like a backup option. You know, I'm like, well, all the predictable people get married, but in reality, it's the greatest adventure. And it took me a long time. It took me a lot longer than you, but it was also on a trip to Europe that I really realized like, I, I want to, be with John the rest of my life. And I am seeing all these beautiful things, but I just keep thinking, I wish that he were here with me. Right. right. Yeah. Would I choose mm-hmm. to go to, you know, uh, Paris again? Absolutely. But o- you know, only if John was there, because it's like, what's right. the point? If, it, if my favorite it's person. Not the is same. It's not the same. Either. Yeah. And I think also realizing that we don't, we don't know how much time we have together right. um, and not to be morbid, but we don't know. Right. And I don't, if there's something I would worry about missing out on, it would be time with him and time with my family. Mm. So, yes. so I'm not like, I don't want to put something else in front of that. I don't want to put other things totally in the back seat either, or the back burner, you know, whatever right. analogy goes behind you. Um, <laughs> that wasn't the right one. <laughs> yeah, I get it. Um, <laughs> whatever. Outside of my vision. <laughs> um, but I think the priority is there and knowing that it's not the only thing, but it's the priority. It's God and then John and then my kids. And then it's the rest of the stuff. Yeah, definitely. And it comes and it's that way, not just because God says this is how it should be, but because that's how you want it. Yeah. And I think going back to the title of the book, don't forget to say thank you. I think living this and embracing it, the fact that we did know as early as we did that we wanted to be together and we had we, we were ready for it and we could do it. And we, um, I think the best way to say thank you to God was to say yes to being married and saying mm. yes to a family, um, even when it's hard um, and there's challenges that we didn't expect. Um, food allergies, the miscarriage, um, helping with John's parents, his dad is homebound. Like there's a lot of things that we couldn't have anticipated. Um, yeah but we're in it together. And and we know that this is where we're meant to be. Yeah. Beautiful. Well, thank you so much for all your words of wisdom and advice. This is going to be such an enlightening and beautiful episode for all the listeners, no matter where you are in your life. So thank you for everything you're doing, Lindsay, and um, best wishes to you and your family. Um, I'm going to put all the things we talked about in the show notes. There's lots of great resources today because my friend here is so well read. (laughs) So thank you for all everything you are and for being a gift. Beautiful. Thank you so much. You are too. This podcast is amazing. I'm so, so grateful to be part of it. Oh, I'm honored. All right. Have a, have a wonderful day. We'll talk soon. Thank you so, so much for tuning in. I cannot tell you how much I appreciate it. If you'd like, you can follow me on Instagram at Stacy Summerow, which is just my name. Um, and if you wouldn't mind passing this episode on to a friend and leaving a quick iTunes review and rating, I would so, so very much appreciate it. So stick around. I'm going to have a quick um, Bach Gunod Ave Maria. This was... 
The music director at my parish asked me to show up in Cantor Mass on a Tuesday for some convocation, and I was like, sure. And I tell you, you say yes to God, crazy things happen. I show up, and it's every parish priest in the diocese and the bishop celebrating Mass. So um, I was tired that day, so I'm not completely pleased with how this Ave Maria sounded, but you know what? I'm just going to throw it up here because it's a beautiful song. So I hope it lifts you up and um, brightens your day. God bless, and I'll talk to you soon.